Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. I have here today's paper. I don't know, does anyone ever actually read an actual paper copy of the newspaper anymore? Some do. I see some hands going up. My dad does every single day. And, uh, you know, he reads the paper because the paper's good. Obviously, you know, there's always, you know, the headlines and the top stories kind of go on the front. And it's great to, to see the headlines and different things like that. And, um, you know, because we live now in a world of headlines, don't we? Where it's just clickbait and, you know, it's, it's just all about... The, the headline and, uh, you know, what's, what's going on. <clears throat> but sometimes it's good to look at the paper because it doesn't just have the headlines, it doesn't just have <clears throat> articles on the first page, but on the second page and the third page and the, you know, and the 37th page where there's articles that are maybe not so important, um, but that are there and, and are newsworthy. And uh, so I thought I'd read one of those articles from a couple of years ago, actually. And I think we've got it, if we can have that up on the screen. So this was uh, from the paper a, a few years ago. It says, Missing Woman Mystery Solved. A group of tourists spent hours Saturday night looking for a missing woman near Iceland's Elja Cannon, only to find her among the search party. The group was travelling through Iceland on a tour bus and stopped near a volcanic canyon. Soon, there was word of a missing passenger. The woman who had changed clothes didn't recognise the description of herself and joined in the search. (laughs) But the search was called off about 3am when it became clear that the missing woman was in fact accounted for and searching for herself. So, this week we are in part seven of our This Is Us series and we're talking about the, uh, the core value, joy is our identity. Joy is our identity. And you may think that, you know, we live in a world where sort of, I guess, the, the motto that most people have is, if it feels good, do it. That we are a, uh, a society that is obsessed with, with pleasure and entertainment And so you would think that then, that joy is something easy to come by. Now, I don't know the name of the woman in that article, but I'm going to speculate that maybe her name was Joy. Because I think that just like for that woman, we too can be in search of joy and miss the whole point that we can actually go out in search of of something, but because, just like for her, because the identity that they gave was obviously external, it was obviously based on what she was wearing, the clothes that she was wearing. So the fact that she had changed clothes meant that there was this case of mistaken identity. And if we search for for joy among those external things, uh, uh, among those things that the the world can see from from a distance, 
If we keep on chopping and changing our clothes, thinking that's going to bring me joy and that's going to bring me joy and trying to have all these external things, then we too are going to have this case of mistaken identity where we go out in search of joy but never find her, not knowing that joy was with us all along. I don't know if you've ever thought too much about your identity, about what makes up your identity. If someone came and asked you, who are you? What would be your answer? And for some of us, the, the quick and, and immediate answer would be to, to give our name. But let's just say, you know, our name was Holly Martin, just picking a name at random. And let's just say that hypothetically she has a boyfriend and this boyfriend eventually gets his act together and <laughs> proposes to her and they get married and so hypothetically her name then changes from Holly Martin to Holly Too Good. Would she then, because her name has changed, would she then cease to be her? Well, no, she, she would still be her because identity is something far deeper than just a name. Sometimes if people ask us what our identity is, we might give our profession. We might say what job we do. But then what happens if we lose our job? Do we also lose our identity? Sadly, for many, that is what happens. Maybe we find our identity based on relationships. We're a, we're a husband, we're a wife, we're a mother... But if those relationships start to break down, if divorce or, you know, different things come across our path or relationship, the boyfriend-girlfriend relationship breaks up, does, do we lose our identity? And again, sadly, for a lot of people, the answer is yes, but this was never God's intention. That God wants to spare us from that pain. Now, let me make it clear, I don't believe that God wants to spare us from all pain, but He does want to spare us from the pain of loss of identity and mistaken identity because we don't know who we are, who we truly are, and we end up in this hopeless place. That should never be part of our experience. Suicide is now the leading cause of death for Australians aged 15 to 44. There are eight people every day in Australia that successfully take their own life and for every successful case, there are over 30 times that that attempt it. So every year in Australia, 65,300 people attempt to take their own life. And the tricky part for people like me is that, you know, every week I get to get up here and, and speak to a large group on the, you know, of people on this platform. And the hard part is, is that the number one thing, the number one thing that, that people that are in that place of hopelessness, that don't know their identity, that are thinking about taking their life, the number one thing that they need to do is talk about it. To talk about it with someone. But it's tricky because just talking about it in general, there's a weird phenomenon that happens where the, the rates of suicide actually go up. 
So when Robin Williams committed suicide and it was all over the front page of the newspaper, because that was the headline, in, in the weeks and months straight after that, the rates of suicide actually went up 10% across the globe. And the rates of suicide, the, the way that he died, that actually went up 30%. So talking about it in general, just having it as front page news doesn't seem to help. Having TV shows like, you know, 13 Reasons Why, they've found actually, you know, again, increased, um, increased the suicide rate by 13.3%. So watching those shows, reading those headlines... Talking about it in a general sense can actually cause those things to go up. So what's the solution then? Well, I believe a solution is to have those important one-on-one conversations. But to also know what your true, your, your unshakable, unchangeable identity actually is. That when those things of life do come up, that when we do lose jobs, that when relationships do break down, that our world doesn't break down with it. So if this current generation is seeking after pleasure and entertainment more than any other, and yet the suicide rates are higher than at any other time, then this path to joy may not be as easy or as obvious as we might think. So what about for us as Christians? Some people think that joy should have no place in Christianity, that as Christians we are to be somber, we are to be holy, we are to, you know, just be, you know, sort of reserved and and, um, you know, serious, because this is serious business. This is life and death that we are talking about, eternal life and death. So should we even have joy? I mean, after all, we, if we read the book of Isaiah 53, now, even though this was written 600 years before his, uh, before his birth, This is so obviously talking about Jesus that when you go to Israel now, as I have, the Jews are actually banned from reading this passage of Scripture because it so obviously is speaking about Jesus and who He is. But in verse 3, it says this of Jesus. It says, He was hated and rejected. His life was filled with sorrow and terrible suffering. No one wanted to look at Him. We despised him and said, he is a nobody. And I'm sure that some of you have felt like that before. You are a nobody. And if they said that of Jesus, and if one of the titles that was given to Jesus based on this passage is that he is this man of sorrows, and if we are to be disciples of Christ, if we are to follow him, then shouldn't we be filled with sorrow, Shouldn't we feel as though Jesus felt at that time of going to the cross? Does joy have any part to pay, play in the Christian life? 
Well, the Bible also says in Deuteronomy 28, it says, If you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm for the abundant benefits you have received, you will serve your enemies. That's a pretty full-on kind of statement, isn't it? And yet that is what we see, that, that we have an enemy, don't we? And our enemy is hell-bent on our destruction. And of course, people are destroying themselves. So we do know that we are serving our enemy's wishes when we get into that place of self-destruction. So this is saying, well, the, then yes, the, the antidote, the... The, the counteracting factor to this is joy. It is enthusiasm that we are supposed to be people of joy. But even that statement, if we take it out of context and we don't understand the, the, the entirety of Scripture, it can just seem like a command, can't it? You know, be joyful or else, you know, you'll serve your enemies. And sometimes we read passages like that and it can actually cause us to draw back from God rather than press into God, because we just think, well, this is just another thing that I'm obviously failing at. Because I don't feel that joy. I don't, I'm not experiencing that joy, and just telling me or commanding me to do it doesn't help. So what is going to help? What is the solution? Maybe, you know, when we come to church, maybe, you know, I should try to cry less when I'm up here preaching because I seem to cry just about every time I get up here. Maybe I should just spend 45 minutes telling jokes to make everyone laugh. Should I give it a go? Should I, should I tell some jokes? What's, what's orange and sounds like a parrot? A carrot. Do, do you get it? What, what two illnesses do you not want together? Alzheimer's and diarrhea because you're running but you can't remember why. <laughs> Last night, Belinda and I watched three DVDs back to back. Thankfully, I was the one facing the telly. <laughs> Just keep preaching, all right. So those things kind of make you laugh for a little bit, but as I said at the start, that you know these outward things, just being entertained for a little bit, makes us happy, and you know we can tell some jokes, and that's kind of okay to do in church. But joy is actually something far deeper. It's actually something far more serious, far more fundamental to our identity. This is why joy is not just something that we experience, it should be part of who we are. It should go deeper. And I want to explain, especially to the, to the parents in the room. And now, of course, I'm not a parent, but I think being a senior pastor has some similarities to being a, a, a parent or a father because I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm not the most holy person in the room. I'm simply the person that has agreed to be most responsible for this house, this particular house of God. And as a parent, as a, as a father, you know, you all are fulfilling that same role. You are agreeing to be responsible for your 
particular household. That is part of your role. And the same for me at, at home, like all my girls are over 18, they are old enough to take care of themselves, they are old enough to be responsible for themselves, but I still feel responsible, just as I'm sure parents that have kids that are older and uh, have you know, grown up and shifted out of home, or you're maybe wishing would shift out of home, uh, you still feel responsible, don't you? That in actual fact, there's this kind of weird phenomenon that happens that particularly if you, um, you'll know this if you have more than one child, that your level of happiness and sadness is somewhat dictated to by their level of happiness and, and sorrow. That if you've got one child that is doing really well, they've just got a job promotion, they've just found a boyfriend or a girlfriend, they've just passed the test, they've just done whatever you know, they've done, then they're happy and so your, their happiness actually becomes your happiness, doesn't it? You rejoice with them as they celebrate those victories. But simultaneously, while you're happy, there's this phenomenon that happens that you can, if you've got another child that is struggling, that's just had a relationship breakdown, that has just failed the test, that is, you know, not doing well, that may be you know, addicted to ice or getting into the wrong crowd, all of a sudden their sorrow actually becomes your sorrow. That, that their story, that, that whatever the headline of their, you know, their particular paper for that day is, their headline becomes your headline. And that, you know, has a lot of consequences, it has a lot of positives and also has a lot of negatives. But I'm sure parents in the room know exactly what I'm talking about. But here's the thing, whoever you're willing to say this is us, when you speak about your household or your, your family, your extended family, whoever you are willing to take responsibility for, whoever you say this is us, over dictates your level of happiness and your level of sorrow. So Jesus was the man of sorrows. So if we then say this is us, not just over our household, but over the household of God, over this household, over Lifehouse Church, that as we come and be a part of a broader Christian community, but as we also see that our identity is one as a child of God, that we're part of that family as well, the eternal family of God, then His level of sorrow is matched by our level of sorrow, but also His level of joy is matched or can be matched by our level of joy. That the headlines over Jesus' life can actually become the headlines over our life. So then the question is, well, if he was a man of sorrows, does God, does Jesus feel joy? Does he experience joy? If we're going to enter in, if we're going to say that this is us over, you know, this church community, over being a part of the family of God, am I signing myself up? You know, is this the solution, Josh, that we've been looking for? Is there any joy in God? Well, let's read 
in Zephaniah 3, verses 17. It says, The Lord your God is with you, a powerful one who wins the battle. He will have much joy over you. With His love, He will give you new life. He will have joy over you with loud singing. With loud singing. I remember when Belinda first agreed to go out with me. I was so filled with joy about the relationship that was just beginning, about the the closeness and the intimacy that we obviously had. I kind of, at the moment I said, uh, in the moment I said to her, I feel like jumping around and doing cartwheels. And then in my most sort of manly voice, I said, I think we need to know and understand that what this passage is really saying is that God says, woohoo, over you. That the God of the universe has joy over you, that he rejoices over you with loud singing. In a couple of weeks' time, uh, Mark Vaughan is going to be sharing for the, the second time ever here at Lifehouse. He's going to be preaching on uh, one of our core values. Worship is our passion. Because worship should be our passion. Why, why, do, we, why do we want to worship? Why do we start and end every service with worship? Because God worships. Because God sings with with, with loud song over us. And what was he saying? Can we have that scripture back up? Thanks. And what does he say? Why is he rejoicing? Why? Because it says, the powerful one who wins the battle. So he's the one that wins the battle for us. So the, the battle over depression, the battle over anxiety, the battle over those feelings... Jesus is the one who wins that battle for us. And because he's won that battle, that is why he is so joyous. That is why he is singing over you, because the battle has been won. Not by us, but by him. He sings loudly over us with joy. So when we sing... At the start and at the end of every service, we need to proclaim that victory. We are proclaiming the victory that God has won for us on our behalf. So if you came into this place today with with anxiety, with with fear, with, with depression, maybe you've had suicidal thoughts, then for you, our worship time together becomes so vital as you proclaim the victory And the joy of what it means for Christ to have won that victory for you. To proclaim the good news. The joyful news. Because the word gospel literally means good news. So I don't know, for you young people, you might not have, you know, heard this sort of said. But, you know, back years ago, people used to stand on the street corner trying to sell, you know, you know, sell newspapers and they would say, extra, extra, read all about it. 
But in ancient Israel, they wouldn't have said that if the news was good news, if the news was, was joyous news, they would literally shout, Gospel, Gospel! And what was the most joyous news that anyone could ever hear? Well, if, if, your, you know, if your community had been involved in war and had gone off to, to fight a battle to, to defend you know, the, the people... When the news of the victory over that, that enemy came back, that is exactly what they would shout. That was the most joyous news that you could hear. And so they would come back into the, into the town, into the village, shouting, Gospel, Gospel, victory, victory, victory had been won. So can you imagine putting yourself in that place in that time? Your, your partner, your, your spouse is gone off to war, all the soldiers were off, husbands, um, you know, brothers, sons, they'd all gone off and the threat of death was, was imminent. And if they lost, you would be left alone to fend for yourself. There, it was a great time of, of fear and anguish when that was happening and so how every day you would sit there and you would long for that news the good news of gospel, gospel victory has been won, that, that your loved one was going to return home safely and that your, your, your community was going to live in peace. This is what the gospel of Jesus is about. The, the joy that you would feel when that news came back should be the joy that, that we feel because every week in this place, every day in this place, we get to proclaim gospel, gospel. We get to proclaim victory over those things that have been plaguing you, over those things, over those fears, over those doubts. Christ comes in and says, victory, I've won the victory. I, I've won it. The, the headline is good news. You don't have to battle those things anymore. You don't have to fight those things anymore. You, your, your mind can go from that place of, of anxiousness and fear and worry to a place of peace because the battle has been won. So we need to remind ourselves every day. And yes, you know, as we look through the paper, maybe, you know, you do lose your job, but, but that's, a, that's a page eight story because the, the headline still reads victory. That, that yes, you may get a bad diagnosis from the doctor, but, but that's, on, that's on page 12 because page, page 1 still says eternity with Christ. Salvation has, has come to your town. Peace has come to your town. That yes, relationships may break down and things may happen, but that's page 37 because you know, the, the headlines still read you know, even though the world has rejected you, even though, you know, you've been searching for acceptance, you know, in this place and that place and you haven't found it, the headline still reads, acceptance, acceptance, acceptance in and through the precious blood of Jesus. So you get to decide what the headlines are. I wonder what the headlines are in your world right now as you're thinking about your family, as you're thinking about your sons and your daughters? Are you reading those articles that talk about the sorrow and the bad things that have happened? Maybe you need to remind 
yourself each and every morning when you get up that the headline over your life is that you are a child of God. And because you are a child of God, because that is your identity, that none of those other things can shake you, that none of those other things can get in the way. It's coming up to Christmas and one of my favorite all-time verses comes from Luke 2 verse 10, where the angels proclaim this good news, where they say, do not be afraid, listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. So this is not just, you know, good news of great joy, you know, this is not just in the standard, you know, because in the standard, just, it's just local good news, isn't it? This is not even in the advertiser. This wasn't just good news to those shepherds who were out there, you know, in, in the fields doing their thing. No, this is good news for all people. The people... Not just the people on the front row, not just the pastors, not just the people who you think have it all together. The people with anxiety, the people with fear, the people with doubt, the people that have attempted suicide, that, that, that feel as though they're alone and hopeless. This is good news for everyone. This is for all people this morning. Now, some of you are saying, well... That sounds great, Pastor Josh. I love the positive thinking, love the idea that that is, you know, the headline. But how do I actually get that from just being good news that I read about to actually it being my identity day by day, week by week? Because that is not, it's great news, but that is not my experience. How do I get to that place? Maybe we think that we need to just do away with every bad thing that comes into our life. Try to push away every negative thought, just push away every, you know, every bad situation that, that, you know, comes across our path. But that is not actually the solution. The solution is not necessarily to overcome those things but actually to outweigh those things. Let me explain what I mean. I'm going to read a a passage of Scripture and then I'm going to explain as we bring this thing to a close. So in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 17, it says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we're getting this picture of outweighing. We're getting this picture of, of scales. And some of you may, like me, hate scales. You know, but Paul's scales are maybe not like your scales. They're not your fancy Weight Watchers scales that tell you, you know, your, your weight and your body mass index and your, you know, your fat content and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, because... You've been to the Philippines and eaten too much pork adobo. You've, you know, the, the scales, just hypothetically speaking, um, you hate the scales. No, Paul's scales are different to those fancy scales. They were balance scales. So, Johnny, do you just want to come up here real quickly? 
And if you can, if you can stand here in the middle, you're going to be my balance scale. So you need to sort of stretch your arms out. Fantastic. So I don't know, Johnny, have you ever seen balance scales? You know what I'm talking about? So basically what happens with, with balance scales is that you put a weight in one side. So here we have some discord. And so discord means like strife or you know, having arguments with people. So basically, if there's nothing in this end, as soon as you put one thing in this end, what happens? The balance scales go down. So you need to... Yeah. So the balance scales go like that. So we have discord. We have addictions. And we have sins. So we put all those things in one side and it starts to weigh us down and our life becomes unbalanced. So then what we do is we say, well, my life is unbalanced and I'm feeling weighed down. And the thing with the balance scale is, is that as soon as... (laughs) If there's nothing in this side, it doesn't matter how small the thing is on this side, as soon as you put one small thing in that side, it starts a downward spiral. And that's what happens in our life. When we have nothing in this side, as soon as one small thing happens, our life starts to spiral downwards. Our emotions start to spiral downwards. We start to, our whole life starts to, to go down. So what Paul is saying in this passage is, because what we tend to do is we tend to say, well, I've just got to get rid of this. If I can just spend my whole life just getting rid of this, it'll solve the problems. So if I can just never sin anymore. How have you gone with that, Johnny? Have you, have you never sinned, like, since you've become a Christian? Uh, Sorry, this is not confession time. <laughs> Do you want to tell us your like No. Okay. So sins, addictions, discord, like, so all of these things, we spend our entire life just trying to remove those things from the balance, but we never can. And some of the things, a lot of the things, are not even within our control. So we spend our whole life just trying to focus on removing those things from our life. But what Paul is actually saying is, no, really, these things are actually light and momentary. How how can Paul say that? When, When you understand, if you keep reading in that passage of Scripture, you'll see that that the light and momentary things that, that Paul experienced was he, was he was lashed 39 times, a couple of times. He was shipwrecked. He was, he was stoned and not the recreational kind of stoning. Okay? But yet somehow he was still able to say those things are light and momentary. How was he able to say that? Because he says, don't spend your life focusing on this. All right, put this in your other hand, Johnny. All right, we're just gonna we're just gonna pretend. All right. So this is under your hand. That one's gonna go up. <laughs> so, do you need someone to sub in? Yeah. Who wants to sub in? Luke, do you want to come up and sub in?
right, so just pretend like that you're lifting this up like Johnny couldn't, okay, but just <laughs> pretend you're super strong. Okay, so what he's saying is, you place something so heavy, so weighty in this side, so what have we placed in this side? We place you are a child of God, that's identity. We've placed outrageous grace, and we've placed Jesus' resurrection life. And what does that spell? Joy. When we understand, when we understand the weight of joy, when we understand our identity, it doesn't matter what comes in or goes out of this side. (laughs) Because this side is always so much heavier, it's so much more weighty. The joy... When joy becomes our identity, when we place so much weight on what Christ has done and who he is, then, see, Christianity doesn't take away the situations and circumstances. You're ready for me to finish and wrap up this message, aren't you? All right, thanks. Give him a clap. You can sit down. So despite what Luke may have thought, it doesn't matter the weight in that side. Because the other side drastically outweighs it. That is what Paul is talking about. And this is how Jesus was able, it says, to to go to the cross. Because it says, because of the joy set before him. He was a man of sorrows. He felt more sorrow than anyone could have ever felt upon that cross. He is the man of sorrows. But the sorrow went in this hand. But the joy was so much greater. As weighty as the cross was, what you need to understand, church, is as weighty as the cross was, as great as his sorrow was, the joy over you knowing your identity in Christ far outweighed that. That is how he was able to go to the cross. That what Paul is saying... Because it actually says in that passage, if we can have that back up, thanks. It actually says that those light, small, momentary things, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs it. How do they produce? How do those things in that hand produce that weight of glory? Because here's the thing. Not only do you get to decide what goes on the front page of your paper every day, you get to decide the weight that the cross has in your life. You get to decide the weight of joy that you're going to place in that side. So what Paul is saying is, if at any stage something goes in this hand, something happens, some situation and some circumstance, if that starts to cause you to move at all, if that starts to waver you, if you start to question your identity, if you start to to doubt who you are, if anything starts to happen, if that starts to put any weight of pressure down upon you, what he's saying is that it actually helps us to produce this weight of glory because you need to know that God never wants you to feel that uncertainty. God never wants anything, the weight of anything in this hand to outweigh the weight in this hand, the weight of joy upon your life. So whenever you feel a situation or a circumstance start to to tug you and pull you down, 
that is the time where you need to run to Christ. That is the time where you need to say, hey, I haven't been putting enough weight on what Christ did. I haven't been putting enough weight on the, the joy that I should be feeling based on my eternity. Yes, situations, yes, circumstances are still going to come my way, but they are not going to move me when I know that I am saved, that I am redeemed, that I am set apart, that I am loved by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So I'm going to ask you all to stand and we're going to pray. Because I know that there are people in here that have been unsettled by the situations and circumstances in, in life. I know that there are people here that have been suffering with depression and suffering with anxiety and suffering with, with fear. And I'm not here just to try to make, wave a magic wand and make it all better in one message. But what I am here to do is I am here to proclaim the weight of the cross in your life. I am here to say that you have an identity and that identity is supposed to be marked by joy the joy of the Lord that when you know that you are a child of God that those things that once weighed you down that once started to spin, spin your life out of control will be kept at bay by the lover of your soul by the one who died and did it joyfully for you who sings over you with loud shouts of praise and glory. That joy is your identity. That when you say, this is us, you know that that comes with such an outpouring of Jesus' resurrection life, of outrageous grace, of the fact that your identity is that you are a child of God. So let's pray together. Father God, we, we thank you for this message of grace, this message of outrageous grace and love and mercy towards us. Father, help us to increase the weight and the importance of the cross in our lives. That no matter what comes our way, no matter what situation, no matter what circumstance comes our way, that we will not be swayed, that we will not be moved. That that balance beam over our life will not even flinch or move one millimeter because of your overwhelming love for us. Father, to, to think that you would sing songs of, of joy over us over us getting to be together. Lord, it's just unthinkable. But Father, we thank you that when we look to the cross, we see, yes, you were a man of sorrows. Yes, it caused you much pain. But that was far outweighed by how much you love us, by the, the joy that was set before you looked at us so Lord if there is anyone here this morning that has not yet become part of that forever family of God if there is anyone here that doesn't know that weight that 
that weight of assurance that says, I am a child of God, that this is my unshakable, unchangeable identity. Then this morning we thank you that this is good news of great joy for all people. And if that's you this morning, then God wants you to know that there is room for you at his table. There is room for you as part of his forever family. That you can come and sit with him and you can be with him for all eternity. And I just want to pray a special prayer over everyone in this room now that has been feeling that weight of anxiety. Whether Christian or not, don't let the enemy come in and try to say if you have fears and you have doubts that you must not be a Christian. No, I want to speak to to those people that right now are in that place of fear, that are in that place of anxiety. People that have maybe attempted or are thinking of making an attempt on their life. And I want to say to you this morning that despite of all that chaos going on in your mind in spite of all that fear and that doubt and that anxiety that there is still a place for you in God's forever family and this morning I pray that you just place so much weight on the joy of the Lord in your life that you don't look at what's in that left hand but you look at what's in that right hand that you would increase the weight of salvation, that you would increase the weight and the importance of the outrageous grace that He pours upon you, that you can walk out of this place today, maybe not totally fixed, maybe not 100%, but you can walk out of this place today knowing that there is a God in heaven who would give His very life to be with you. And that despite the rejection that you may have experienced from the world, that the headline over your life, that the good news of the gospel is that you are accepted in and through Jesus. So as we sing now, we're going to sing and we're going to proclaim, just like God proclaims over us, we're going to proclaim that victory. And I'm believing that as we, as we sing and as we sing loudly, that chains are going to be broken, that 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 thought processes and, and fears and anxiety are going are gonna to fall to the floor as the weight of glory takes its place. Father, we thank you that we don't have to overcome situations and circumstances. Father, we thank you that your love outweighs them in our life today. So church, let's sing, let's worship, let's praise, let's proclaim the victory and the victory that was won in and through the cross. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.